There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitization, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk Good morning and welcome to the Go Radio Business Show with Sir Tom Hunter and Lord Willie Hockey. I'm Donald Martin, editor of The Herald and Herald on Sunday, and your host as we discuss the latest headlines and share brilliant and free advice from the boardroom. We're also joined this morning by Adrian Gillespie, Chief Executive of Scottish Enterprise, and Stuart Patrick, Chief Executive of Glasgow Chamber of Commerce. Don't forget, if you ever miss an episode, simply search for The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey on your favourite podcast channel. And if you have a question for Tom and Willie, please email gobusiness at thisisgo.co.uk. The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. So, gentlemen, the ferry crisis we talked about last week is fairly heating up with a wee spat between the previous owner of Ferguson Marine, Jim McCall, and Finance Minister Kate Forbes. Do we need a public inquiry, Willie, to determine what's gone wrong and who's to blame? Well, for the first time in my history, nobody can say we're away with the ferries. Because <laughs> oh, <laughs> there's certainly no running. Oh. Uh, public inquiry, I think now, with what's happened over the last week or so, I think it's uh, inevitable that we'll have a public inquiry. There's too much now being said. You know, there's too much finger-pointing and, and people now are looking for answers. What's your view, Tom? Oh, goodness, a public inquiry. I, I'm going to disagree with Willie here. Listen, we all know what went wrong here. Stephen Boyle, Audit Scotland, we talked about him last week, he has come out, there's been a weakness of process, weakness of governance, weakness of transparency. Do I believe a public inquiry would shed any more light on it? No, because the government would just hide things. I have no confidence that we would get any more of the light shed into this, and it's a disgrace. Tom, can I just be clear? I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm saying we're going to get one. I think it's a waste of time. Like all public inquiries, it's a waste of time. Right? But the question was, do we think we're going to have one? I think yes. Listen, we've got to be clear here. Jim McCall is a friend of Willie and ours, for full disclosure. You know, Jim has said this week that if he had known that Cal Mac were not up for Ferguson getting the contract, he wouldn't have taken it. Now, I believe him when he says that. I also believe him when he says that the government was rushing it through because of publicity and this would be a good thing for an independent Scotland and we can build ferries on the Clyde. I absolutely believe that the government rushed that through. I think they did some launch, Willie, and they were they were painting the windows in because they weren't they ready. Was, was that right? Well, Did I get that wrong? I believe that there was a, a it looks like now a charade uh, <laughs> where um, actors <laughs> uh, dressed up as politicians, I believe, uh, launched the ship <laughs> in 2017. By the way, just before an election. Uh, oh, so I, I think actually, I think that is actually more of a bigger issue than who said what to whatever, right? Because in that, there is no doubt that you're trying to con the people, right, that you're making progress. What, what about the jobs? Because that's what it was all about, to protect, as the government said, 300 jobs. There's a report that's just come out from CMAL which says the workforce numbers were nowhere near that and many were contracted labour, much of it from overseas. Why does the reality not match the political rhetoric? Well, we could have gave everybody half a million pound each. They'd have been much, much happier and they could have retrained themselves and had worked for life. <laughs> and it cost us half the money. But no, that was a big thing about saving jobs, like as if we're being serious for a moment, right? But unfortunately, it doesn't look as if that we've got the yard in, in, you know, in solid ground. So, you know, because obviously the, la the last two orders have went to foreign countries. So we haven't built anything there that's, that's sustainable yet, I, I don't believe. I'll try and be a bit more positive because I'm sure we've learnt the lessons um, from the ferries because the Scottish government's just taken over ScotRail. Um, so how confident are you given the shambles with our ferries? Tom? 
So remind me, Donald, because I think I read in the Herald that the government took over Scott Rail on April Fool's Day. So is this a joke? <laughs> oh no, totally serious. The irony is not lost in people. <laughs> oh, so yeah. so here we go. The bottom line is, I don't know how to run the government. The government doesn't know how to run business, and never the twain should meet. Holy moly, this is going to end in disaster. Willie, my worry is is that the government obviously are not happy with performance and maybe the value for money. I just hope that they've learnt, right, where they've got it wrong in the past. And I just hope that the people that they put in place to run it, obviously, were better in, in their opinion than the people who were running it previously. So that's why I hope that they get someone who totally understands and knows how to run trains. Consumer credit rose by its biggest margin in five years to $1.9 billion in February. The monthly average is around $1.1 billion. How worried are you about the level of personal debt being built up and its impact on future spend, Willie? Terribly worried. You know, and we've mentioned that again in the last few weeks. The millennials who have been used to interest rates at 0.25, now the slightest of increases at all is going to make a huge difference to them. And I think that the personal borrowing now will go through the roof with all the inflationary effects that we've got on fuel, on food, and it, they've not really kicked in yet. You know, people may have had their first or second electric bill, whatever, but once people see that as a constant, you know, talking to a taxi driver in London yesterday, he couldn't believe his wife came in, the bill was £350 for the month, right? It's generally £180. Like if you take it over a year where 1,200 quid were going to be two grand, and I've seen it on Sky TV the other day, that the, the medium, so the average energy bill for, for households in Britain is going to be £2,850. How's people going to afford that? So oh, I see that borrowing on credit cards is going to go through the roof. What about you, Tom? Should we be worried about it? Yeah. So, I mean, the, the credit card borrowing last month, so February um, 2022, was the highest since records began. My goodness. And it was three times bigger than the average of the last six months. So... I've read two opinions on this. On the positive side, it shows that we've got confidence and faith in the economy and people are willing to spend. That's one view. And on the other side of it, is it vulnerable people turning to unsecured borrowing to pay their bills? I think the picture will become clearer in the months to come. But yes, we should be watching this very closely indeed. Tom, I've seen a very respected economist in the States this week has said that history shows that in developed parts of the world, the only way to curtail inflation is to have interest above inflation. Right? This is a well-respected yep. economist in the States. And I thought about it and I thought, wow, imagine that that's what we had to adopt tomorrow. Well, that uh, ties in nicely because the Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey said earlier this week that the impact on real incomes from inflation and energy prices be larger than any year in the 1970s, causing growth and demand to slow. What should he do as the governor in terms of interest rates? Should he go as far as that? Does I I tell you what he should do, he should listen to the programme every week because we've been telling him for nine months when he's been getting it wrong every single week, we've been telling him. So I think now if he's ahead of the curve, he must have started. I think he's getting the podcasts now, you know, before we actually make them. Yeah, and Rebellion, right? But no, uh, you know, I, I think that all of the indicators at the moment, so we heard about it last week, living standards is the worst since rationing, right? The, with inflation, it's been the worst for 30, 30 years. Someone should be in it. Him and his team, whatever, should all be in a room just now. And I'm telling you, they need to be doing more than they're doing, right? Because there is, there is a mighty problem coming around the corner for most households. What should they do, Tom? Oh, goodness. So this is above my pay scale, if I'm honest about it. The traditional way, and Willie's right, the traditional way in economics is to use interest rates to slow down things, so to curb inflation. I'm not sure if MD's got the appetite for that these days because we have got used to a low interest rate economy, 
We've talked about it before. So would that be too harsh? Willie used the terrible R word last week, recession. Is it going to be recession? It's definitely a slowdown. And that in itself, I've been traveling about some of my investments this week and everybody's talking about it's slowing. People I really respect who are right on top of their business. The slowdown isn't just coming. The slowdown is here. Slowdown in the job market as well. Companies that were in white hot recruitment markets, the churn of their staff has actually slowed down and in some cases stopped. So that is happening in the real economy today. Well, another topic, the headlines, of course, Nicholas Sturgeon extending the requirement to wear masks by a couple of weeks. Uh, I was in London, you've been in London, Tom, well, you have. It's rare to see masks there and it seems like business is normal. So the question is, how much of an impact has the ultra-cautious messaging in Scotland on masks and work from home had on our recovery? Willie? I don't think it's had a, a massive impact, but what it's done is it, it's been a major annoyance, right? So people are just fed up with it, right? I don't think that, you know, the shops are not trading because of masks and whatever. People are not enjoying it, so maybe they're not doing it as much. And if they, where, where it may be having an, uh, an impact is that Probably if we had Donald McLeod on or Paul Watson, they could say, no, Willie, there's not as many people coming out because I've got to wear one. No, I don't, to be honest, I can't answer that. I don't know. But if it, I can only say about my own place, it's not stopped people coming, right? But people are a wee bit fed up. What I do notice is there's more and more people not doing it, ignoring it. Yeah, but also is really bringing it working from home. It's almost strengthening that message. You need to work from home because there's a big problem and that's... Reducing no, footfall. No, 100%. When it comes to what it means to getting back to work, it's definitely affecting it. What I'd like, I know, we don't even need to test the water, we would find it difficult to tell everyone to come back to work next week. Yeah. Right, so we'll have to start that, that, you know, get on that journey to get people back. Tom? Yeah, goodness me. You know, travelling about, when I when I got on the plane up from London, they said, oh, can you put your mask on? And I said, well, we're still in Heathrow. Oh, yeah, but it's a Scottish government requirement. I said, well, I'll put it on when we get to Scotland. You know, I'm fed up wearing it. And we were told, Willie, right at the start of this, we're going to follow the science. So I thought there was one truth in science, but there doesn't seem to be. If we're all following the same science, we'd be making the same decisions. And we haven't through this. In, in our country, we seem to have a higher rate of COVID, but we're still wearing masks. So uh, has it helped us? I don't, I don't think so. As Willie said, it's more a message of confidence. Down in London, the restaurants, everybody, it was back to normal as far as I could see. There isn't the foreign tourists, but there are UK tourists in London now. So the only thing that's missing there is foreign tourists. And there is a big push of get back in the office to work. There definitely is. And... Willie has been talking about Glasgow City Centre. I had a wee wander and it would make you greet, to be honest with you. And a big part of that is there's, there's not many office workers back. I think Glasgow is one of the slowest in the UK. And that's coming from the government. And I think that needs to stop. I think we need to learn to live with COVID, get back into the office and revitalise that Glasgow City Centre. You're here. Well, one person will certainly have a view is Stuart Patrick, Chief Executive of Glasgow Chamber of Commerce. Welcome back, Stuart. Thank you very much. The local election campaigns are underway, and although these elections don't get the same public attention as those at the national level, criticism of the condition of our cities has been heating up, and none more so than in Glasgow. Turning round the fortunes of Socky Hall Street will need a concerted effort. And although Argyle Street has similar problems, Drum Property Group's massive redevelopment of Candlerig Square shows that a response is possible. You won't be surprised to hear that the Chamber is discussing with the political parties what is needed to bring in new investment. The Chamber is firmly backing the ambitious proposals from Land Securities for Buchanan Galleries and from Sovereign Centros for the St Enoch Centre, which can reshape our city centre for decades to come. But we appreciate that these will take some years to be delivered. And so we're also working with Chamber members and City Council officials on actions to help more quickly. 
We're awaiting confirmation of Scottish Government funding to help get the centre into better shape now that the worst of the pandemic is over. This month, we will also get the conclusions of work we have commissioned on how to reuse all those empty shop units and older offices. We were hoping that the Scottish Government's strategy for retail would be a boost to our work, and while it's good to see the Government recognise the economic significance of retail, the plan says more about what's expected of businesses in the realms of fair work and net zero than in offers by way of fresh, tangible support and response. The city centre has been badly damaged by pandemic policies, but investment in the International Financial Services District has continued throughout. New offices for Barclays, JP Morgan and Virgin Money are all evidence of a strong investment pipeline. And so it was encouraging last week to see Glasgow climb 13 places to number 52 in the ZN Global Financial Centres Index, one of the best sources for assessing the success of financial centres. In the top 60, only Berlin's ranking rose faster for the six months to the end of 2021. Edinburgh rose one place to 21, and it's worth reflecting on the fact that a country the size of Scotland has two of the top 60 biggest financial centres in the world. Initial evidence also suggests that there's going to be more jobs based in the IFSD at the end of the pandemic than there were at the beginning. And while hybrid working will restrict the full impact on the city centre itself, the Glasgow economy is certainly benefiting. Glasgow was also confirmed by the CBRE Tech City report as the number three city in the UK outside London for technology business after Manchester and Birmingham, with Edinburgh coming in at fifth. Tech jobs are forecast to grow in Glasgow at around 5% between 2021 and 2025, with only Manchester and Birmingham growing faster. That helps to show why the UK government was following the evidence when deciding that they should award Innovation Accelerator status to those three cities in their levelling up white paper, sharing it in an initial pot of £100 million to help stimulate research and development expenditure in local companies. Glasgow companies in fintech, where CBRE described Glasgow as a UK leader, quantum, precision medicine, advanced manufacturing in the defence industry and satellite communications have all confirmed their eagerness to be involved and no doubt there will be more as the proposals develop. And perhaps the highlight of the month is the reopening of the Burrell collection. The Burrell was one of the very first investments Glasgow made in the early stages of its 1980s regeneration. And its return gives the Glasgow marketing team an attraction to promote to both UK and overseas visitors, gradually rediscovering their travel confidence. I've been in for a look and have no hesitation giving the Burrell a warm welcome back to the city's cultural stage. The refurbished building is fresh, light and with more space to show the collection. New digital displays genuinely add an extra dimension in understanding the pieces, with the Wagner Persian garden carpet being a standout example. I'm especially fond of Cezanne's The Chateau of Medan. But this is a business show, so I should also pay a compliment to the quality of the product range in this shop, and that it's also much easier to drop directly into the cafe from Pollock Park. Let's hope the borough is a catalyst once again for the swift recovery of our tourism industry. A very positive and upbeat monthly update. Stuart, what's, what's going wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I was anticipating that mis masks were going to get lifted. Uh, I didn't have a date in my mind, but 18th of April, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll settle for that. But no, a wee bit more confidence beginning to emerge, I think. That's good to hear. Stuart, can I ask, obviously there's a lot of people saying now that, that they're affected, the staff situation is dire at the moment with people who are catching COVID. Are, are you getting your members... I was to go and visit a factory on Friday and the gentleman had 18 or 30 staff off, told me not to come near the place. Well, I certainly do see it in the membership that we uh, engage with it's not so much that they're telling me yeah we're really struggling with staff numbers but I can just see it in the number of people who can't turn up uh, for the kinds of meetings that we have so or the number of folks that uh, are having to do it online that were previously intending to come face to face so yeah it's fairly it's fairly clear that it's that one in ten or one in eleven is well let's say you can see it in real life Thank you Stuart coming up after the break we'll be talking to Adrian Gillespie Chief Executive of Scottish Enterprise don't forget, if you want to join the boardroom, you can put your questions to Tom and Willie by emailing gobusiness at thisisgo.co.uk. The Go Radio 
Business Show with Workflow Solutions, helping your business digitise its documents. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitisation, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs. Saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. Welcome back as we turn the guest spotlight on Adrian Gillespie, the Chief Executive of Scottish Enterprise. If you want free business advice or have a question for Tom and Willie, simply email gobusiness at thisisgo.co.uk and if you ever miss an episode, you can catch it by searching for the Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey on your favourite podcast channel. But before we talk business in the latest of our brilliant series on Great Scots, we tell the story of Lord McFarlane. Norman Somerville McFarlane was born on March 5th, 1926 in Shawlands. He attended the High School of Glasgow and from there went straight into the army where he served in Palestine as a commander in the Royal Artillery from 1945 to 1947. His military career ended prematurely, however, when he broke his neck in a driving accident and he would spend the next year recovering in hospital. On his return to full health, Norman set up his own stationary business, N.S. McFarlane, using his £200 army gratuity. Working from a single-roomed office in Bath Street in Glasgow, he sold stationery to farms in the newly built industrial estate at Hillington. He would make sales calls in the mornings, deliveries in the afternoon, and spend evenings completing a course in business administration at Glasgow's Commercial College, where he met his future wife, Greta. The McFarlane stationery business grew rapidly, and by 1973 it was making over half a million pounds a year when it was floated on the stock exchange as the McFarlane Group, with Norman as the managing director. By 1980, the business entered a new market, with the acquisition of Abbott's Packaging. A string of company takeovers have since led to the McFarlane Group becoming the UK's largest distributor of protective packaging products and services, serving over 20,000 businesses nationwide. By the 1980s, Norman enjoyed the reputation of a tireless fixer and pillar of entrepreneurial probity. As such, he was drafted in as chairman of Guinness and United Distillers, charged with cleaning up the aftermath of the scandal surrounding the merger of the firms. His wife Greta considered the role to be a poison chalice, trying to dissuade him from taking on the job. But McFarlane was quick to point out its advantages. We own Glen Eagles, he told her, so I can get the tea off times I want. And we also own Gordon's Gin, so that's you settled. Not only did Norman restore the financial stability and credibility of Guinness, he would go on to become the honorary life president of the company. Knighted in 1983 and made a life peer in 1991, Baron McFarlane of Bearston, or Lord Mac as he was known to many, a titan of Scottish industry and a leading patron of the arts, died in November 2021, aged 95. A brilliant businessman and a lovely guy, Willie. One of the nicest gentlemen I've ever met in my life, and, and obviously one of Scotland's finest businessmen. I think, uh, I think Tom would agree with this, I think that he was the equivalent to Jack Welsh. I think that he had something like 20 years of every single quarter that the company had, the, the share value had increased in the business. But some of the things that he did for Scotland, especially when he chaired, you know, the Diageo at the, at the end up, the, the things that he brought, the Ryder Cup, the money that he got invested in sports and sponsorship, you know, what a wonderful man and I'd say one of the finest persons I've ever met in my life. Tom? Yeah, I mean, Lord Mac, love, love the man. He, he, he actually, when he was raising money for Kelvin Grove Art Gallery, he invited me along to lunch at the Arts Club, which he was a kind of patron of. And um, I went along and he said, Tom, this is what we're trying to do. And I said, Norman, I don't know anything about art and I just, I just, I'm, I'm not your man. He said, Tom, you're the perfect man for this. <laughs> and we we ended up um, putting money into Kelvin Grove. And it was one of the best experiences of my life because we named it after my dad. My dad wasn't very well at the time, but we used to go for a meeting once a month with um, Norman and Bridget McConnell. And my dad would always, he would perk up knowing that he was going to meet Norman and he used to say to me, every time, every time 
when the meeting was finished, that's a real gentleman, Tom, and you can learn a lot from him. I'll tell you a great story about him that sums him up. Um, a number of years ago, maybe about 15 years ago, Lowry had only ever done two paintings of Glasgow and one was the, the two dock scene. You know, it was like five minutes after each painting and uh, one of them, it came up for sale and Glasgow wanted it. So I spoke to Bridget McConnell, actually sent me a wee email saying, Willie, do you know this? And at the time I had been buying memorabilia, all that sort of stuff. I, I said, Bridget, I'm, I'm not an ER at all. You know, I says, but uh, I'll have a look at it. Anyway, I met Norman. And he says, well, I do this for the city, right? So he's pulling all the heartstrings. So anyway, uh, I bought this Lowry. I think it was just over £100,000. And we, we gifted it to the city. About three years later, it was my 50th birthday. <laughs> and the city gave me a photograph of the painting I'd bought them for my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. Uh, well... He was certainly a brilliant businessman, which leads us nicely into Adrian Gillespie, the Chief Executive of Scottish Enterprise. Adrian, welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Donald. Nice to be here. Thank you. Well, we're delighted to have you on board. But can you just explain to our listeners about Scottish Enterprise, what it does and your role within it? Sure. Um, so Scottish Enterprise is Scotland's National Economic Development Agency. We, uh, we do lots of things, but we um, mainly help businesses to start and grow. We invest in businesses. We financially invest in their future. We also help establish businesses to grow. If they've got an opportunity to grow, then we can sometimes come in and invest alongside them to help them to do that. And we help companies to internationalise. We've got offices all over the world and we help companies to uh, trade, enter new markets, get advice, get contacts in new markets. And we also encourage companies to come to Scotland and invest in Scotland and, and create jobs in the country. One other thing we do is we are very much looking at the what are the industries and opportunities of the future. So, for example, the low carbon transition, the net zero opportunity. What does that give us in terms of our capabilities and the opportunities for us to make the most of areas like offshore wind, like the hydrogen economy, uh, low carbon vehicles, for example, or uh, changes in, in the economy like the move to more digital, digital health, for example. How do we bring people together, develop the su supply chains, the networks, um, and support companies to come in and make the most of those opportunities. You've been in the role for, I think, just about six months. Um, so tell us about your background. What made you the perfect candidate? Um, well, well you, might, you might have to ask the interview panel about that, but uh, uh, I guess from my point of view, I'd previously worked at Scottish Enterprise. I'd, I'd been in Scottish Enterprise for around 15, 16 years. Uh, and then I went to work at the University of Strathclyde, first Sir Jim MacDonald's. And there was a new position he'd created there, which was about building the university's industry links, the, the kind of infrastructure and contacts within the university, and to head up a couple of projects like the building of there's a new National Manufacturing Institute for Scotland that the university are operating that's coming out of the ground, in fact, nearly finished uh, in Shinnan beside the airport, uh, a new medicines manufacturing innovation centre that's being built alongside it, and a new innovation district that is being formed in the city, the Glasgow City Innovation District. So I was heading up those projects and, and it was a great, um, I guess, a great kind of uh, experience in terms of seeing innovation happen and seeing what building a brilliant innovation community and infrastructure can do for, for the economy. If you think of the regeneration of the sort of central east end of the city, for example, over the last six or seven years, quite a short space of time, the impact that the university can have on the economy and in the, the city around about it. So that, I guess, encouraged me to think about coming back to Scottish Enterprise when the opportunity arose and I felt I could bring something new to the organisation in terms of what I'd experienced uh, over the last four years at Strathclyde. But also because I, I felt that there was an opportunity to really grow Scottish Enterprises' engagement with businesses, which I felt had had dipped a bit over the last wee while, uh, a kind of opportunity to rejuvenate that, to refresh it, but also to, to put a real a firm focus on those parts of the economy that have been really hard to kind of change over the last few years. Uh, I guess I felt that what I'd experienced over the last few years gave me a few new ideas, maybe a few new tools um, to help to make that happen. Adrian, delighted you've come on the programme. Thank you very much. Um, my own experience, obviously, many, many years ago, I was uh, chairman of Scottish Enterprise Glasgow yes. when we had the Lex. And I'm really interested in your point about, you know, business and how how Scottish Enterprise, I think, it's waned how they've been involved in business. One of the things that, that's always baffled me, if you look at my own business and look at the last 20 years, 
we must be the sort of business that would be a blueprint for you know international expansion. Yep. Um, so you know, opening in the states, opening in Australia, Kuala Lumpur. Uh, obviously, in the last few years, accolades have been the largest private employer in Scotland. No one from Scottish Enterprises has ever been to ask us how we're doing it or how we could help other businesses. I know you've only been in the job for six sure. months, but I think that kind of backs up what you're saying that you know we 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 haven't been looking out to see who's winning out there. How can we mimic them? How can we help them? How can we get them to mentor other people? I'd have yeah. been delighted. You know, to, to in any way we can, the way we do. I know that we, we've worked together through the Scottish Edge, we've worked with Scottish Enterprise, and I just think you're right. I, I've always been in the opinion that Scottish Enterprise kind of needed a big shake-up. So hopefully, once you've been in a wee bit longer, you might feel the same. <laughs> I don't know what you think. Well, first of all, I, I, I'll come and have a chat about that. <laughs> I knew um, you would but... say <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to do that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's obviously, it's fundamentally important that Scottish Enterprise is really closely connected into the, the companies that we're supporting. So if that's been the case, we can put that right, Willie. But I mean, I guess what I would say to listeners is if they've got an opportunity, if they want to grow, please do get in touch uh, with us. But one of the things we've done over the last few months, for example, is we've, I, I know you're a big fan of the local enterprise uh, model, Willie, but we've, we've put more of our sort of regional structure within what we do. So we've got a regional lead within my leadership team for each of the regions across the country. We've got a regional business support lead. Um, we've got a, a regional trade lead now so that there will be a face in the business community locally that everybody can get to know, can approach. And I just think that alongside all of the various other ways through our website that you can get in touch, it just it just helps to, to develop relationships and make sure that you know it's easy to access uh, what we do. So can I ask on that region, how have you split the country? Is it north, south, east and west? Or... Yeah, so north, east. Then we've got um, the east of the country, west of the country, sort of Forth Valley. So just just kind of uh, the sort of five kind of key regions across okay. the country. Right. Yeah. So you've and without going up and starting up Lex again, you're actually working. You're operating that way internally. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so so we have to be a mix of a national economic agency because obviously there's Highlands and Islands Enterprise in, in the Highlands and the South of Scotland Enterprise as well. So there's areas where we operate nationally. For example, we operate the National Investment Funds. We operate the Scottish Manufacturing Advisory Service, for example, across the country. But we've also got to be really regionally connected uh, as well. And previously, when I was at Scottish Enterprise, I had that responsibility for the North East. So I was working really closely with Opportunity Northeast, Serene Woods, new organisation, and just the benefits of, of having those personal relationships. I mean, it goes without saying, really, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. just got to be done. Hi, Adrian. Hello, Tom. Delighted you're on the show this morning. So there is a school of thought that says when a new boss comes in, he gets the most done in the first six months. So <laughs> your time's up. <laughs> so what is the key things that you've changed since you came in and what's on your to-do list to change. Mm -hmm. And then my last point is, how can any entrepreneurs or business people listening this morning help you succeed in your job? Because we all want you to succeed in your job. So Willie's offered support. How can we help you succeed? Yeah. Thanks very much, Tom. Um, well, your first question around what, what have we changed? I've mentioned already that we have made some changes in terms of how we engage across the country um, regionally. We've also, I, I guess, I've restated and and, uh, and and reinforced the need for us to have really long-term strategic relationships with companies and to structure ourselves in that way. There had been a bit of a move towards issuing calls for um, funding. So, for example, there might be an area of the economy we wanted to stimulate and we would go out to the community and say who's interested but in actual fact, you need, you need to have the kind of strategic relationships with companies to understand and support companies to access that kind of funding. So we have changed some of our roles internally. We have, I guess, restated uh, the importance of our account managers, the colleagues across the organisation who have these relationships with companies and have that very kind of close working relationship. Um, we've also just looked at the specialist functions that we offer around uh, innovation um, around uh, some of the specialist services like sustainability advice. And, and also, I mean, a key thing, I think, uh, Tom, is that when I joined the organisation, obviously everybody was still working at home. So getting everybody kind of confident about getting up and out and visiting companies again and re-establishing some of those relationships, which I think, you know, understandably with COVID, 
the priority had just been getting funds out to the companies that needed it most. But to kind of lift the heads a bit and start looking forward about the opportunities ahead and the sort of economy post-COVID. And also we've got a new national economic strategy as a country that, uh, that was launched at the beginning of March. So we have fed into that um, in terms of where we think the opportunities lie. Um, and now that that's published, we are um, we had our board uh, strategy meeting earlier this week where our board comes together, where I've outlined where I think the priority should be and how we can best get behind that national economic strategy and the areas that we bring to that as, a, as an organisation where we've got core strengths. So, for example, around innovation, around internationalisation, around entrepreneurship. I think there's a need for us to be probably more sort of streamlined and more focused on what we do. Um, we do an awful lot of things, as I outlined earlier, but I think we need to just focus on those really important parts of the economy, like you know, what's the levels of entrepreneurship within within Scotland? What can we, and when I say we, I mean, um, I don't just mean Scottish Enterprise, we and partners, what can we do to change that? And I know um, both uh, you and Willie have done an awful lot in terms of uh, stimulating that and making that happen. How do we do even more, continue to do some of the good things that, that we've been doing, but what more do we need to do? And I think the point uh, Willie made earlier about how do we take people that have come through those experiences and you know grow that whole network and uh, of entrepreneurship, and that whole community of around entrepreneurship, kind of galvanise it, keep strengthening it, but um, but use that network that's been building to encourage many many more people to come because that's what we need. We need many many more people to see entrepreneurship as a as a career path and as a way forward. So I guess a bit of a mix, uh, Tom, of sort of um, fixing some things that I think needed to be fixed a bit of uh, restructuring around our priorities and starting to look to the future in terms of what our next three-year plan will look like, which we'll be publishing over the summer, which follows from the government's economic strategy. Right. And how can entrepreneurs and business people help you, Adrian, succeed in your post? Well, I think there's a number of things. I mean, for example, um, the the kinds of initiatives and the kinds of uh, advocacy and support and enthusiasm for Scottish Edge for example, you know, which is making a real, real difference to the number of, of, uh, of people that are um, coming into the whole kind of entrepreneurship uh, system. Um, more of that, and to get involved uh, in the current pathways uh, that, that that you have uh, have defined and started to participate. Come forward. How can I help? You know, how can I mentor a company? How can I? What specialisms uh, do I think and experiences can I bring that can support companies that are coming through? Um, uh, there's always funding as well. We could always do with more funding. So if there's funding that can be brought to bear, uh, co-investing in companies, uh, investing in some of the initiatives that are encouraging more people uh, into the system, but also to go out into uh, schools, into universities and advocate, you know, provide advocacy for, for, for that as a career path to provide the role models that I think are so important uh, for people to see that will influence them to choose that as a career path. So these are just some of the ways um, I, I think, Tom, that there are many more. Another way that I think is really important is to create these, these sort of hubs of specialism where people can easily get involved in what's happening. So I, I experienced that at the university where we had the innovation district where it was a place where potential entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs, students, people from the local community could come in and they could become part of that whole community in an easy way. You know, for a lot of people, maybe accessing that kind of support isn't something that they sort of see themselves naturally in, but an easy way of kind of coming into that environment to, to meeting researchers, to meeting academics, to meeting other entrepreneurs who've gone through that, to get the benefit of the, the great innovation support system that we've got in the country. We've got universities I mentioned, we've got our innovation centres, we've got the enterprise agencies, we've got Scottish Edge, we've got a really great supportive environment. Let, let me put you right on the spot. Nicely, yeah. nicely. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, people who take on roles like this are people who want to make a difference yep. right and, and and I've seen a lot of really good people in my time at Scottish Enterprise Glasgow um, let me ask you this shortly after you took up this role we had the advent of the the new strategy yep. and this new strategy both myself and Tom have fed into the to the minister that, that we believe that those two key people that you got to drive this are vital absolutely vital so the person who Kate chooses to d lead the government's initiative, but also that entrepreneurial type person amid this kind of overarching responsibility where they're going to dovetail with Scottish Enterprise and SNIB and all of this stuff, right? Knowing and seeing that and seeing the remit, um, 
one of the things I've said that will be very, very difficult to find that person. And if you find that person and you can deliver this, that will be a huge plus. Do you fancy it? But <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I definitely see myself as playing a a, a, a role there yeah. um, because you know you I guess you could, you come into this job and you take on this job. You said you to make a difference as well, but because you can work between industry and government and all of the support services and 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 uh, and kind of engage with you know those different parts of 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 the economy and and the government in a way that hopefully leads to, to developing new things and new initiatives. I think, are you talking about the new Chief yes. Entrepreneurship yeah. uh, No, no, well, I, I, we believe there's two people required. Okay, right. right. So someone has to, Kate and the ministers are too busy. So I believe that they need someone who is going to totally understand what you're trying to deliver over the next 10 years and someone like, like in the position you're in yep. at the moment, you've got a strategy, we've got to deliver Scottish Enterprise. Yep. The minister will have to find someone who drives us every single day and who's got a passion to yes. deliver it. And then they're going to dovetail that with their type of entrepreneurial person. Sure. Right. So, but the, the kind of civil service role, as I would call it, they're both going to be civil service role, but yep. so the other guy's going to be a wee bit more flamboyant because he's entrepreneurial. But the 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 kind of the civil servant type business orienting person that's that's going to have to lead this for the minister every single day, I believe is going to be a real tough job to fill. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I'm going to say this: what you've got one high tie behind your back with the money you've got to offer to fill the role, right? Because if you're a really good entrepreneur, you're either out there making loads of money for yourself, or you're working for somebody like me getting paid very well. So this, these two roles, we believe, are absolutely vital right. for the country. So we think we should pay accordingly. I know that doesn't go down well when you talk to... But but you need to be bold enough to tell people, this is what you need to do to get the best. And and for me, it's, it's you know, I'm, I'm kind of tongue-in-cheek asking this, but it is people like yourself yeah. and other people in similar roles that they have to look to, to fill these roles. We can't fill this role by plucking somebody out of the civil service that's right. been, you know, it's been part of an administration. We need someone who, who's been accountable, mm -hmm. right? Who's happy to put their head above the parapet. I mean, you have to deliver now, right? Yeah. You're getting judged. And I think that it's, it's vital that we find the right people to run this. Because if we don't, if we just put a couple of people into tick boxes, you're as well sticking the strategy in the bin. Yeah. Right? It's not going right. to be delivered. Well, I mean, what you're outlining there sounds quite a lot like my role. So, yes. so, so yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would see myself. When you in read that. the remit, it's, it's your role on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I mean, I guess I, you know, uh, I and we Scottish Enterprise we can't do it on our own that yes. so um, yeah. I you know, I need to um, fulfil my role by engaging really closely with people like yourselves um, with other uh, business leaders with inward investors with um, you know people you had Chris van der Keil on the show a wee yeah. while back as well w working with people that really know the, the kind of economy of Dundee for right. example and yeah. know the opportunities there that's got to be a really kind of key part of the job what I would like to do is as we're developing this plan, because you know, you know Scottish Enterprise, it's, it's fair to say that you know, there's mixed views about Scottish Enterprise over time. Yes, you know, yes. I don't think just mean yep. over time. People have their different views as to what we're doing and whether we're doing the right things. And um, I, what I'd really like to do as we're developing this plan is is, is really work with um, work with people like yourselves and people across the country to say, look, here's the choices that we are having to make. Here's here's the kind of realities about how we allocate resources. Here's how we have to prioritise and get everybody kind of behind the plan. Um, yeah. I've had so many great offers of support, um, yeah. including today. But it's, I think it's really important that we galvanise that support and make it a real kind of team effort to to change the economy. Oh. So I, you know, the the way the way I will do that will be to to commit to engaging as widely as possible to make that happen. You mentioned Chris Van der Kell. Yep. Chris has been part of the panel putting strategy. Chris Van der Kell is the perfect person you would want to fill the entrepreneur. Chris is never going to give up what he's doing, yep. not to do that. So that's going to be tough. But the one thing that you do have, which is a big, big plus, and Tom can talk more about it, is you've got a great chairman that will help you change it yep. if it needs change. And and that's the one thing that I'm very, very hopeful of Scottish Enterprise because now of the people that are there. Yeah, Tom knows Robert much better than me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. So, I mean, Adrian, this is, this is so important that if you're feeding into government, the person that they choose for this chief entrepreneurial role, mm -hmm. which Willie and I lobbied for, so we're delighted to see that it's there, but <clears throat> um, I must tell you, I'm a little bit worried 
that when they try and find the right person, they it doesn't quite get there. And it's maybe someone who's too academic or too this. It needs to be an entrepreneurial person. I will say right here and now that if it's a matter of money that's a problem, the Hunter Foundation will underwrite it because that's how important this is to Scotland. We mustn't compromise in this person. They are going to be the most important thing in getting this done. And if it's only money that's in the way, I'm taking that problem off the table this morning. Mm -hmm. So can I follow, and this is turning into a job interview, so I'm just going to ask you, what kind of business leader are you and what key characteristics or traits have made you so successful? <laughs> yeah, it does feel like a job it does, interview. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm quite enjoying this, it's great fun. I, th I, thought, I thought I'd done that bit already. But... Well, we can um, offer a company car, we can offer a pen. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean, I guess what I would say is um, I, I would somebody who who does want to kind of engage really, really broadly and widely. And I think I've always done that across the whole time, whether it's been Strathclyde, Scottish Enterprise, or, or uh, when I worked in the private sector before that. Somebody who's trustworthy, easy to work with, and can be relied upon to to make a difference. Um, in terms of uh, you know what I think I would bring to the role, is I think that's a really important part in bringing everyone together around the goal here, which is to you know fundamentally uh, transform the economy uh, for the better to address some of these kind of key areas that I mentioned earlier, like levels of entrepreneurship, levels of innovation, levels of internationalisation, um, that uh, that we know if we're going to be uh, an economy which is more productive, which is offering higher wages, that, that's where we need to be. So bring focus, I'll bring commitment, and I'll bring a lot of hard work. Okay, finally, what's the best piece of advice you've ever had from a business perspective? Um, well, I, I think... I think probably I would go back to just really very early in my career there when, when I, I worked for Marks & Spencer. I was a management trainee there. I was working with lots and lots of people who were far more experienced than me and kind of put in situations where, you know, you're testing your leadership and testing whether you could actually kind of work with people. So probably the best advice that was given to me was about trusting in your people, working with your people and investing in your people. Um, and being approachable and being open and, and engaging. I think that's probably um, what I learned kind of very early on in my career, and I think that stayed with me. Thank you, Adrian. I'd certainly give you the new job. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's got it. Yeah, he's got it. <laughs> See, I thought I had it. <laughs> uh, after the break, we go into the boardroom where Tom and Willie answer your questions and offer free business advice. If you want to take part, simply email your questions to gobusiness at thisisgo.co.uk. The Go Radio Business Show with Workflow Solutions. Helping your business with IT support, data security and more. Go Radio. There are lots of things a business needs to help it run efficiently. Document management, printing, IT support, digitisation, data security and more. As a true managed service provider, Workflow Solutions can help with these and a wide range of other business needs, saving time and money for businesses across the UK. Help your workflow with Workflow Solutions, the work from anywhere experts. Visit workflo-solutions.co.uk. The Go Radio Business Show with Hunter and Hockey. Welcome back as we go into the boardroom with Hunter and Hockey and answer your calls with free business advice, insight and inspiration. If you want your questions read out in the show or wish to speak directly to Tom and Willie, you can email gobusiness at thisisgo.co.uk. We're going to our phone lines now and our caller is Darren Crines, owner of Instant Impact. Welcome to the show, Darren. Hi, thanks for having me on, Donald. We're delighted. So what's your question for Tom and Willie? So Tom and Willie, uh, I recently found out after 33 years um, that I have ADHD, um, which I firmly took upon as a positive, um, as it's given me the, the impulsiveness to start my business, Instant Impact Group, which is a commercial grounds maintenance and facility service um, at the age of 14. It's blessed me with the creativity and the passion to think outside the box and to solve problems and obviously to take risks. What do you think the business community could do to switch the mindset on mental health and disability and actively promote the skill sets that people with ADHD and autism can bring to their businesses? Oh, that's a brilliant question. Willie. Hi, morning, Darren. Morning. Morning. Thank you for calling in and thanks for the question. 
I think I can only talk from my own experience and say when we were a smaller company, um, we did not we did not try hard enough right to understand and to get more people involved who were in this category. Uh, as we became a larger company and our HR department has got larger, then we have got very much involved in, in people's mental health and, and people, you know, less able, you know, and we have we've encouraged the, the employment of quite a few people now over the last at least the last seven years, and we continue to do that more and more. Um so I think to to answer your question is it it's it's trying to get people to think about it. Even when you're a small company or a medium-sized company, when you don't have a large HR department who could maybe tell you how you can help you through that. And I think when you're also busy trying to run a business and grow a business the way that, that you are, um, I think that it's tougher also. So I would say that the best I can say is, is it's just trying to get the word out. Now, to be fair, there's a lot of advertising now in TV. There's a lot more than there's ever been about mental health, especially, uh, and about trying to get people who are less able into work. And and I think that campaign is working. Right? It certainly worked for us. Um, so I, I think probably that's the best advice that I could give. It's just keep trying to get the word out there. Tom? Yeah, morning, Darren. Um, great to morning, hear from Tom. you. Um, I think the best thing you can do is tell stories like your own. Um, this is not a disability. This is not a disadvantage. How can you turn it to your advantage? And obviously you have. And the more people hear success stories like your own, the more people will be encouraged. So... In these days, you can get your story out there through many channels that people will listen to and your own Go Radio business this morning. But I would really say you become an advocate for the change that you want to see and stories like yours will inspire others. So really good luck to you. Please keep in touch with the show and let us know how we can help and let us know how you're getting on. Yeah, so Darren, you've certainly uh, put out there a different aspect. You know, you were talking about the creativity and passion to think outside the box and, uh, you know, take risks and solve multiple problems. So uh, a great platform, this show, to promote your strengths. So are you happy with the answer? Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Um, obviously, I um, appreciate Tom and Willie's time and, and that's exactly the reason why I wanted to come on the show Firstly, to speak to both of you, but also to just start to raise awareness that it is actually more of a strength than it is a, a, a weakness. Brilliant. That's Brilliant, Darren. Thank, Thank you, you for so calling. Much. Good luck. Brilliant. All the best. Have a great day. All the Bye. best. Bye-bye. Bye. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for, but don't forget, you can put your business questions to Tom and Willie by emailing gobusiness at thisisgo.co.uk and you can give us feedback or get involved by visiting thisisgo.co.uk. Business Show with Workflow Solutions, a true managed service provider helping your business run effectively. Go.